there are so many passions, but we have to be able to explore that. We have to open ourselves to prayer or to meditation or to manifestation where we just can invite more things to come in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't think for once that uh, being a nurse was going to be the only thing I was going to do. Hey, mamas, welcome to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I'm your host, Mother Hustler, Kareen Mills. I'm a mama of two boys, founder of a tribe called Mother Hustler Nation, co-founder of the Game Changers Global Network, an insurance professional turned lifestyle entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and author. Each and every week, I'm bringing you stories and thoughts from mom entrepreneurs who will inspire you to take massive, imperfect action, unapologetically chase your dreams, and eradicate your excuses so you can quit treating your business like a hobby and turn your side hustle into full-time income. I know being mother hustler is not easy. But sisters, we are making it happen, even in this beautiful mess. Thank you so much for being present with me today. Now let's go mother the world. The journey of Mood Swing Wines has been about poking fun at menopause through delightfully tasting wines while providing a platform to inspire and encourage women to embrace this time in their lives. Mood Swing Wines has given Molly Openshaw the opportunity to travel globally and provide comedic relief on stage to thousands of women, all the while with a glass of memory lapse Merlot in hand. Mood Swing Wines has become the exclusive wine at Hera's Las Vegas show, Menopause the Musical partnered her brand with a country music sensation in Nashville, Tennessee. In addition, Mood Swing Wines has taken Molly to Barcelona and Spain. A reality show called For Life Matters that aired on the FYI channel in July 2016. Because of Molly's journey with her brand, Mood Swing Wines, This journey allowed her to become a keynote speaker and a coach for women going through what is usually called midlife transition. Sisters, please help me in welcoming the funny and bubbly mother hustler, mothering the world this week, founder of Mood Swing Wines, Molly Openshaw. Welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. I've got the beautiful Molly Openshaw all the way from Chico, California. And we actually had an offline conversation not too long ago, and we're like, oh, wait, 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 I got to hit record on this because this is such an amazing conversation. And where we're going to start is we're going to start right there, Molly, and we're just going to continue on our conversation. We talked about how you started. Uh, mood swing wines. Mm-hmm. But first of all, welcome thank you. to the podcast and thank you for gracing us with your time. 
So mood swing wines, such an amazing catchy title or name of a wine because a lot of women in, in that age, and I'm starting to drink a lot more wine than I used to. <laughs> and the older I get, the more wine I drink, but it's not for bad reasons, it's for right. good reasons, right? right? So tell us about that journey because I'm really excited to hear this. It is, well, Mood Swing Wines was created out of um, my best friend, one of my best friends here in Chico, who was starting to complain about all the signs and symptoms of menopause. I remember going to her home one morning and she was just crying like a baby. I'm like, really bad. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? And um, she, I thought that it was because she was going back to school to get her RN or maybe that she was going through a divorce because she was really going through a rough patch. And she goes, no, it's nothing like it at all. I'm going through menopause, I know it. And I'm like, oh my God. Like you are so much younger than me. And if anybody's going to be going through it, it's me. And I am certainly not going to look like that or behave like that. I just, I just knew. And I'm like, hold that thought. And so I ran to the grocery store really quick. I mean, in the morning, no doubt, ran to the grocery store and I thought, okay, I can, I could go get a bottle of wine for her. That'll solve everything. Right. And we can talk about menopause over a bottle of wine. Right. Well, Crean, as I went through the thousands of bottles at the grocery store, I didn't even see anything that was like funny or humorous. And so I went home back to her house with the go-to wine that we always drank, but I was like really disappointed that there wasn't even a bottle with a smiley face on it. And so we were home and we talked about menopause and the journey that it might look like or feel like. And I was like, walking away going, oh my God, she's a hot mess. And there's just no way I'm going to be crying like that. I'm not going to have my hormones out of whack. But as we all know, every woman goes through menopause differently. Everybody's going to experience different things with their body and their mind and their heart and their soul. And it really penetrated my heart. When I went home that night, I was like, wow, really? There's not a bottle of wine that would uncork that conversation about menopause. There's certainly got to be something like that. And as I went through the internet, of course, nothing showed up. And then I just, it wouldn't leave my heart. I mean, then I began to think about it more and more. And I prayed about it and I meditated about it. And the more that I did and allowed that to happen, all of a sudden it's like I had a name for my first wine. It was Covers Off Chardonnay. I'm like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? Right. And just the more that I focused on it and prayed on it and really kind of threw it out there, like, is this something that I'm supposed to be doing? Um, fast forward, my girlfriends, including that very girlfriend, took me to Maui for my 50th birthday. And I shared with them what was going on. And they're like, oh, if, if you don't do something about it, you're going to kick yourself in the butt later because somebody's going to come up with this and you have strong message about embracing life anyway so you may as well do it for that demographic of women and seriously when I came home from Maui then I stormed through the offices of um, one of my friends that did marketing and I said this is it this is what I want to do this is my journey let's do it and that year we had um, I actually just on Facebook today you know how those memories pop up host of women picking up their first batch, if you will, first bottle or case of mood swing wines. So um, that January is when I officially launched in 2014. So we're coming on five years of something that grew. It was a little tiny bottle. 
little tiny bottle of wine and it turned into this amazing opportunity to uncork conversations that women don't want to have about menopause, perimenopause, midlife, emptiness. And so it's just given, that's just a vessel, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like, I, I don't want to say a gimmick because the wine is great and people love it, but it's just opened so many doors to talk to so many women all across the United States and abroad. It's been really a kick. Wow. Congratulations. And that's just it. You know, when you have something, and I was just listening to a podcast earlier where people make it so difficult to find their passion or the thing that lights them up on fire. Yeah. And the way that you had described it is really the way that you know that is, we all have it in us. We know what lights us on fire. We know what we're excited about every day, but yet we go back to the thing that we call misery, which it can be either, you know, a job that you're not happy about, work for a boss that you're, that makes your life miserable. And just some people could be excited about their jobs. So it's okay to have a job. But if you are totally trying to find and dig deep, Mm -hmm. And with you, like the thing never left your thought. It just became even louder and louder and louder. And the more you shared it with people, the more people really said to you that that is what you're supposed to do. It validated your thoughts that you've been having, right? Exactly. You know, and the other thing too is not, I don't think we're built for one passion or one career or one, you know, narrow path that leads us to the very end and the final days before we rest. Um, there are so many passions, but we have to be able to explore that. We have to open ourselves to prayer or to meditation or to manifestation where we just can invite more things to come in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't think for once that uh, being a nurse was going to be the only thing I was going to do. Um, you know, we're mothers, um, we're daughters, we're aunts, we're cousins, we're sisters, we're so much more than just a career. And I, and I don't like it when nurses in particular will say, well, I'm just a nurse. It's like, just, you are a goddess, you are helping people, or I'm just a mom. What do you mean just a mom? That is like the most rewarding, you know, um, position in life that you'll ever have. Mm -hmm don't bear children. You know, I just don't want you to put the word just in front of anything that you say or do, because it's so true that we have so many gifts and talents that just need to be explored and also shared. Yes. People. So yeah. you, you found your passion or what energizes you around 50. <laughs> oh yeah. And that should tell you that sometimes what you think and dream of when you're a child, which will lead me to my next question to yeah. you. Yeah. is that it's not always going to be it. And I think the thought that we have when we, when we think about dreams and aspirations is that it's in this really beautiful, present, boxed up in a nice bow with a great gift wrapping. But the way that it was presented to you and the way that mine presented to me, it's not like that. It's always the, could, it could always be a struggle in a form of a, a struggle it could be in a form of adversity. It could be in a form of like an aha moment when you're helping someone and you're like, wait a minute, I don't see any wine here that's specifically for my age group going through this specific 
uh, stage in their life. So when you were a child mm -hmm. or as you were growing up, if you can remember and share with us, what were your aspirations and dreams? Like for me, I guess I kind of end up here, but in a very different way because technology has gone through the roof. Mm -hmm. My first dream was to become a journalist, right? And then I wanted to be a lawyer and then I wanted to be something else. So it's like, it's just the way that it's painted to us as a child by our parents or our elders is always the, the college education, the profession. And, you know, I'm sure you didn't go to winemaking school or, you know, it's like, no, that's not how it is. So tell us about your childhood. Like, how was that? And how were you as a child? Well, you know, as a child, I was always lovely and just as vivacious as I am today. Um, I was always wanting to be embraced and surrounded by friends. I love playdates and sleepovers and all the stuff that girls do. But I had a lot of guy friends because I had three brothers that I absolutely love. And um, so there was a lot of guys come to the house. I think that's probably why I had the dating challenge because everybody thought of me <laughs> the big sister or the little sister because I had three brothers, right? Um, so I, I probably threw down the friend card a lot more than I probably should have. But um, childhood was never anything where mom and dad said you had to go to college. Mom and dad never said, you know, this is what we want you to do when you grow up. We never had any of those need tos. I, but they never, I, I mean, we had rules, you know, that we had to follow like anybody um, and anybody's, you know, being raised as a child in a home. But they just really, I think they were also just letting us explore what our passion was. And I really didn't know what my passion was. I mean, even up all the way until high school graduation, I'm like, eh, what should I be? Well, this is funny. You're going to die. Um, the one thing that I thought I should be because I was so in love with Alan Arbuckle. I thought because he was going to become a veterinarian that I should become a veterinarian assistant, right? I mean, it's just, <laughs> so that's what I should be, right? So, and then I dated a pre-med student in college and I thought, oh, well, that's it. I should be a nurse, right? <laughs> so I'm not following anybody else's passion or journey. I'm just kind of, I was just enjoying life. I traveled a lot when I was younger. Um, I didn't go to college right away. I explored and had really a good time. And then it was like that light bulb moment where like, oh yeah, well maybe I really should explore this nursing thing because I worked as a nurse's aide at a convalescent hospital. And that was a very, very joyous job. I mean, I got so much out of taking care of the elderly, um, which has kept me in long-term care um, nursing for so many years. But um, I thought, I think I should just do this a little more because I want to do what the nurses do behind the counter and what they do up and down the halls and stuff. I want to do that. So I went to nursing school. Wow. Almost 30 years I've been a nurse and love that. But like I said, I don't think that we're built for just one thing because um, I, I think everything I've ever done and um, uh, has always just been fueled by what's next? What can I get into? How much fun could that be if I took a trip around the United States with my girlfriend? Or um, so I just, I don't ever sit much. I mean, I fly by the seat of my pants a lot of the times. And I don't think nothing's changed since I was a childhood. I was very carefree. And um, I had parents who trusted me. <laughs> my, my brothers were the ones that got in trouble. So they trusted me to go on little road trips in my Volkswagen bug with my friends in high school and where yeah. I 
Like when my, when I, my kids were in high school, it's like, no, you can't take a road trip. What? <laughs> so, but I love the fact though, that my parents never said that it's the white picket fence, um, you know, and it's, or it's the Cinderella story where Prince Charming's going to come and sweep you away. I think it was very, like, I can't even control it. Um, I'm just having so much fun. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't thank you enough for being here, listening to my journey and listening to my podcast, really, because not only that I get to share with you my journey, I also get to share and showcase really other mother hustlers and men of impact in the season finales of my podcast. Have an awesome, awesome life. Thank you so much for being here. All right, sisters, thank you so much for listening and always supporting the Being Mother Hustler podcast every single episode, every single week. I know most of you take screenshots of these episodes and share it all over your social media outlets. And for some of you that's left us a five-star review, from the bottom of my heart, I'm so super grateful for you. Make sure you follow us on Spotify and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And it would mean the world to the entire Mother Hustler Nation community if you wrote us a five-star review. Because I'm telling you, this is not about me. This is not about you. It's about all of us in the community inspiring each other, learning from each other, and not allowing each other to make any excuses to chase our dreams. I swear I read those reviews and it fuels me to my core, makes me cry for great reasons, so I so look forward to reading those reviews. As always, sisters, don't forget to give, serve, live, and love. Have a mother hustling day. In months, I did two jobs. 10 to 2 at Wells Fargo as a part-time teller. And or actually, I did that schedule, but I didn't do the same because I eventually became full-time. I became a lead teller at Wells Fargo in like three months. And so I cut my hours at Walmart because obviously I was getting paid more money at Wells Fargo. So I, um, but the schedule has never changed. It's like from three or from from 10 to 2 at Wells, and then 3 to midnight at um, Walmart in the beginning. And so I didn't really have a, a pure lunch. So what I would do without having a car, and sometimes I don't necessarily take the bus because I, I can't catch it at, at the specific time that I need it to be there. So I would just eat my lunch while I'm walking to Walmart so I can get there on time, ready to rock, to go to work and put my apron on and all that good stuff for Walmart. And so that was like the beginning stage of my life. But one thing that I have not told you is that during the first few months of our lives, um, we actually, I, on the way to my Wells Fargo training, I had driven my dad's car that my dad had excluded me from the insurance policy. And he didn't really know that he signed a exclusion 